0: Welcome to Growing Up with Dr. Sarah. I have a very important guest today. Her name is Lenora Edwards, and thank you, Lenora, for joining me today. I'm really looking forward to our conversation. We had a little pre-conversation before we started recording, and I love the words that you said and just your perspective on life. And I'm very excited to have you on the show. But what I would love, because I know you wear many hats, is Mm -hmm. for you to introduce yourself to our audience and let them know who you are and some of the different hats that you're wearing right now.
1: I love that. Thank you so much for having me. I love spending time with you. So, as you mentioned, my name is Lenora Edwards, and I help people communicate better. I help people communicate on the inside and absolutely on the outside, and that weaved itself over a number of years. And I had once said to somebody that I thought I was very obsessed with language and how words sounded, and they said, no, you're just language sensitive, because I think it's truly important how we talk to ourselves, but also how we talk to others. So that way, we're constantly conveying what we truly mean in a way that's supportive of other people, but also supportive to ourselves.
0: And, you know, communication, whether you are a baby and how little babies communicate to being adults, we are constantly trying to evolve and do better, at least I hope being a better communicator. I had shared with you when we were talking that one of the hats I wear is that I am, I have a, um, I've been trained in relationship center care with patients and families. And we're teaching other healthcare providers how to communicate. And it is such an important topic when you talk about marriages that have lasted for a long time. What's one of the number one things they said? It was communication. But it's also one of the hardest things that we have to do and try to achieve as well, don't you think?
1: Completely, especially because words, it means so many different things to each other and to ourselves. And when we're communicating outwardly with other people We want to make sure that we're communicating our message clearly, but it's not just the words that we choose. It's the tonality that we're offering, the facial expression that we're offering, the energy that we're offering. There's so much going on, and these are things that we did not really know growing up, but I do think that there is a leveling up of emotional intelligence happening in the world on how people are communicating and how they're offering to be of service and how they're also offering to help themselves. I'm a huge proponent of personal development and the community that has been deemed self-help. I personally feel like it should be called help yourself. It's <laughs> board. Um, Try different things and really explore how you like to talk to yourself, how you need to take care of yourself so that you can effectively help and be present in the world and support
0: others. And I really want parents and anybody that takes care of Children, too, to realize that because one of my missions and part of the reason why I started this podcast was, realistically, if we don't take care of ourselves, whether it's mind, body, right, then it's very difficult for us to be there for others. Which is my why. My why is I want to be be there for others, and yet, I think at the same time we're we're so. Focus to help others that sometimes we forget that we really need to help ourselves so that we can be a, a better communicator. And that also includes our own mind, don't you think?
1: I could not agree more with you. Absolutely. Especially because sometimes our culture would have you think self-care or self-love is some candles and sitting down with a book. And while that might be true, it's also caring for yourself as in proper nutrition and adequate sleep kindly talking to yourself, but also being able to encourage yourself so that you can accomplish the things that you want to accomplish. Nobody really, well, I shouldn't say nobody. There are plenty of people that don't run straight forward to go out for a walk, but to take care of yourself and say, I'm doing this because I want to take care of my body. And I know it'll be good for me to move. That's so important rather than kind of getting stuck in a death scroll for time being.
0: Yes. And being ro- by modeling that too, because I know I, I have often, you know, if my kids would say, I don't want to go to school and it's like, you know, I hear you. There's some days I don't want to go to work, or there's some mm-hmm. days I don't want to exercise, or I don't want to eat the, you know, green beans. But mm-hmm. we we have a choice and it's okay to feel those feel that way. But at the same time, it's learning to make those choices because you are realistically doing it for yourself.
1: Completely. And finding that balance of knowing when to take a break and when to say, okay, now it's time to keep going. Or here's the push and knowing when to pause and take that moment of relaxation because relaxing is as important as moving and finding ways to recover and finding ways to show up are so important that there does have to be a balance, but it has to be a balance that's personal to us. My balance might not look like somebody else's balance and that's okay, but still being able to support each other in that and saying, Yep, I'm quite literally allowing myself permission to take a nap because I am exhausted and that is what I need right now. But also allowing myself permission on another day that says, you know what, Lenora, you need a kick in the pants. Let's go (laughs) and move it and give yourself that tough love. And that's a good thing, too, because it holds you to your own standards and your own expectations. And when you can hold yourself to those standards and those expectations, you build trust with yourself mm-hmm. and
0: that's a great thing. Yeah, that is a good feeling. It it is and I think that one step at a time because it can definitely seem overwhelming communicating with not only, you know, children, teens, I mean, I I see it all the time between the different age groups, our spouses, our partners, our coworkers. It really does start at a young age. You know, I talk a lot with parents about that baby talk and how important that is. But what are some of the challenges that you see in communication? And that? And I would say, starting with whatever age group you find in your profession to be the one that sent, tends to float to the top, so to speak.
1: I love that you pointed out that you work with so many different age groups, because I do too. So as a speech pathologist, I do work with little ones on their communication, but I also work with their parents on helping them to support their little one. And then I do see my teens and tweens and uh, adults and geriatrics. So I do the same as you is helping people communicate. And I think the most important is to truly watch your tonality when you're communicating with somebody, because you can say one thing from how are you doing to how are you doing? <laughs> yeah. Same exact words, completely different tone. So I really encourage people to watch their tone. And there are times where a softer tone is appropriate. And there are times where a firm tone is appropriate. It's not that one is good and one is bad. Which one is appropriate for the situation? And to support people in that, yes, if your child's having a meltdown, they're It's frustrating for that parent because they might be in the middle of the grocery store and they might be really, really taxed at the moment. And I cannot believe my child is flipping out about the lack of cereal or whatever the case may be. And in that moment, it will truly be those moments where you have to quite literally change your breathing and change your posture. And this is something I teach as many people as possible. When you can change your breathing and your posture, especially when your child's having a meltdown, You will allow your nervous system time to move and time to recalibrate and allow your system to quite literally get that oxygen to your brain so that you can function rather than also contributing to the meltdown. When it comes to your child, your child is also going to feed off of you. So as your emotions are skyrocketing, theirs are going to continue to go up. When you can pause, catch your breath. Change your breathing and change your tonality, you will gain more control over your nervous system and over theirs. And in that moment, that's choice. I can choose to get really, really upset with my kid, <laughs> or I can choose to pause, change my breathing, change my posture, change my tone. And in that choice, I get my power back. And I continue to build trust with myself that I am capable of taking care of the situation and helping myself to help others. And that is truly important.
0: I heard um, a psychologist say once, a calm brain calms a brain. And so what, what I hear you saying is that when we're in those situations, whether it's with a child or, like I said, our partner mm-hmm. or even a coworker, it works either mm-hmm. way that I, I love those exercises that that you recommended to calm our brain so that we can calm the brain of others because even in my own practice you know there are days where i i am confronted with an angry parent for whatever reason i could be running mm-hmm. behind they may have had a lot of traffic coming in and it has nothing to do with us but i think that not taking you know so much it's like get on the offense by, by calming yourself. So I think that's right. such a great tool and something that we have to remind ourselves to, though, because we always want to fight there. fire with fire, right?
1: Completely, completely. And if we think of our our mind and our body are connected. So especially when you can find ways to calm your body, like just like the quote, a calm mind calms a mind. Powerful and absolutely stunning quote of which I will be writing down. <laughs> I've used it we- a lot. It's so good because in that moment, you're getting that calmness. You're establishing it by choice, which puts you back at power. That's a really, really wonderful thing. And you're right. You never know how somebody else's day is. And it may have nothing to do with you. We can be quick to snap because that's how we're, we're wired in that, hey, I didn't do anything wrong. And we want to also stand up for ourselves. But at the same time, to have that emotional intelligence that says, this person's upset, it probably has nothing to do with me. What else might it be? And allowing that person the space to be upset without you quite literally taking it on as your responsibility to fix that.
0: And I believe too, as part of communication, I've learned over the years that listening is a big part of communication as well. And that's sometimes hard for people to do. There's a statistic and I, I mentioned that I teach a lot of healthcare providers. And the statistic was that most doctors, for example, in this particular example, will interrupt a patient when they're talking after 10, 11 seconds i know and it, it's it's a real it's a real number it was it was studied and so i believe that to be true with whoever you're talking to mm-hmm. and some people are better listeners than others but communication is also about receiving language too
1: completely i could not agree more especially in those moments of somebody being so quick to respond and and i think often as a healthcare professional we have so much that we want to share mm-hmm. and here's so much information coming at you. But it's important to remember every single person that we interact with wants to be seen and heard mm-hmm. and understood. Mm-hmm. And in us cutting somebody off in the middle of their speech, in the middle of what they're wanting to express, we're saying, no, no, what I have is to say is more important. And it's important that we allow them the space to say what they would like to say. And eventually. They will come to a pause. They will come to a stop. And us as the listener can then say, okay, I now have this information. Let me go through it piece by piece. And it truly is something that we have to be aware of as active listeners that I'm listening to what they say. And I'm also taking mental notes as we go verse, no, 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 you're wrong, you're wrong. Or no, 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 this is what I meant. Listen first, if we could listen we would have much stronger communication because we can listen and then offer verse, offer, 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 offer.
0: Mm-hmm. And I love how you said you're taking mental notes, and that's reflecting. So, mm-hmm. being a re- what what I call a reflective listener. So, yes, we can listen, but are we really reflecting on what they're saying and communicating that as well? And um, and that's so important, I think, when it comes to communicating. How do we teach our young ones to do that? Now, I know the most obvious reason is to model it, right, if we're doing it. But I think that there are families that um, are seeing that their kids are having challenges. And in this day and age, of course, people worry, does this mean my child has a disorder? Or what's wrong? Or when should I expect them to be on the normal path? And Mm -hmm. so... What are the typical challenges you see parents coming to you or any, anybody that takes care of children, any caregiver coming to you um, most recently? Like what's, again, kind of like what have you been seeing the most of?
1: When it comes to receptive language, so our ability to understand, whether it's directions or our ability to understand that somebody asked us a question and that they would like an answer to that, that's truly, truly important. And it goes hand in hand with expressive. We actually learn all our receptive language skills very early on and it's developing. I shouldn't say we learn all of it. It's developing early on because there's two parts to language. As we're listening, what I often encourage people to do is to reflect back what they heard. Oh, I heard you said you want apple juice. Thank you so much for telling me that you want juice. I really appreciate it. Let's go get your juice. And it may seem redundant, but for little ones, when we say that, not only are we saying, okay, yeah, you want juice. We're saying, oh, thank you for telling me. I heard you say this. Let's go do this. And it's reinforcing that you, as the parent or guardian or whomever, is taking care of them, that you heard them, and that you're acknowledging them. If it's not time for juice and it's two a.m. or something like that, oh well, thank you for letting me know. We're not going to have that right now because we're we should be sleeping. But that's okay, whatever the case may be. But acknowledging that you heard them is so important. And even as in in relationships, as my husband's talking and he's telling me about his day. I'll offer in little words that I heard. Oh, we went outside and then we went to lunch. Oh, outside, lunch. And I'm just picking up little words that he's telling me. And what that is helping him do is it's helping him understand I'm paying attention to him. Mm-hmm. I'm not just nodding and zoning out. I quite literally am using his words and saying, I get it. I'm following you. and still in the story as long with our head nodding. Mm-hmm. When it comes to concerns that there's a delay in language, especially over the last number of years with the pandemic, we took a lot, for little ones, we took a lot of language away when we started putting a mask up. It's true. And when we started taking them out of those busy environments, they weren't hearing grocery store activity. They weren't hearing playground activity. They weren't hearing neighbors come in and, oh, hey, anybody home? And coming over, they lost a lot of Language. So now what we're seeing is a delay in their developmental language, as in a delay in their ability to understand language and a delay in their ability to express language, especially in those very difficult times, in those very early months. Not only were we covering up everywhere we went, there were people that were also covering up at home. So now when you put a mask on, you lost a lot of facial language, a lot mm. of facial expression. And There was a lot of TV being on because parents had to find ways to pay the bills, which makes perfect sense. Mm -hmm. They weren't in daycare. They weren't in schools. And they were in front of a television. Now, you may say, well, television has language, of which it does. But it has very passive language. They're not interacting. Language is a back and a forth. And when we're just watching it, we're watching back and forth. But we're not in it. So it's really important that we help our little ones become a part of the conversation again.
0: Even if they're babbling. I mean, Mm. we're talking about even younger kids just babbling and talking. And I'm I'm thinking, as you were saying this, a couple thoughts came to my mind. One is, Mm -hmm. there's a really cute video of a dad and his son, and the baby looks like he's like one year old, no, one year, like 12 months old. And the dad is literally communicating about what they're watching, which I love and I tell parents all the time, if you, if there's a need to watch something on a tablet or computer or television, do it together and talk about it. Talk about what you're seeing. Talk about, even even when you read, like I love, I, I always encourage parents to read, but when you read Also, like, do you see the truck? Point to the truck. Can you say truck? Or what colors do you see if they're a little bit older and they can point out different colors? So make it more of a dialogue. And and that's what I'm hearing you say is one of the barriers of just watching television is they're not getting that back and forth. Mm
1: -hmm. Absolutely. Especially I encourage people to pause television if they're watching television. Pause it. Ask them what's going on. Or reestablish, oh, I saw him take the lollipop. How do you think he might feel? And as your kids, even even uh, if it's a one-year-old or a two-year-old, oh, I bet this is going to happen next in the story. Let's see if this happens when we turn the page. And you may think, gosh, I'm having a conversation with myself. Yeah, <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> are. And keep offering that language because even though you might not think you're doing a lot, You're doing a ton and those neuropathways are firing and wiring and that's a great, great thing. And there was another, um, so I encourage people to pause the television and to pause, especially when you have a three-year-old or four-year-old, five-year-old, ask them what's going on. What do they think will happen next? Especially because when you say, what do you think will happen next? And they offer something. Oh, that's a good idea. I bet this is going to happen. Verse having to have the right answer. When children think they have to have the right answer, they're less likely to offer an answer because Mm. they're afraid they're going to be wrong, especially if there was a lot of shame that was coming. No, you're wrong. What were you thinking? If there's a lot of harsh feedback, they're not going to tell you for fear of being wrong and for fear of being shamed again. So to offer, oh, I bet this will happen, or ooh, and offer something completely off the wall For creativity, what Mm -hmm. do you think? And that way you're having that back and forth. And I love that you mentioned with the tablets because technology isn't going anywhere. And parents will often say, oh, I'm being bad. I'm on my phone. I'm being bad. And I encourage them to say, let's look that up. Oh, here's what's happening. Show them that technology can be used for good. Oh, what do you want to make to get for dinner tonight? Let's look up a recipe together Mm -hmm. or... That's a great question. Let's look it up together and showing them that the technology that we have is powerful and that they can harness that power to educate themselves. That is truly powerful.
0: Uh, yes, absolutely. It is powerful and and doing that together. I love that. I have a family that they'll say, "Let's research it." You know, that's their that's their comment when they, you know, are looking something up or the okay. child has a question and your comment about that that interaction that communication and that fear of what i'm going to say might be judged or criticized that's that's i think is part of the problem with communicating with teens mm-hmm. because that i feel like for them they feel if i say this if i do this if i tell somebody how i what i'm thinking they might think of it as wrong if we start that open communication, that I hear you. And what I loved about the question that you asked is you used the word what? You used an open-ended question. If we ask closed-ended questions that basically give a yes or no, then you're going to get a yes or no answer. Mm -hmm. And whether it's a toddler who doesn't want to be distracted by the YouTube video he's watching or a teenager who really doesn't want to talk to you in the first place, it's going to close things up. So by using open-ended questions, you open up that ability to have a better conversation.
1: Completely. I love that you pointed that out. I work with a a variety of coaches because I, I truly love helping myself to level up to different levels and finding ways to accomplish things and achieve things. And one of my coaches introduced me to the word might. And when we say, what will happen? We're offering an open-ended question, which is great. And a lot of the time we may hear, again, maybe not a lot of the time, but we may often hear, I don't know. Okay, great. What might happen? Versus what will. When we add the word might to our vocabulary, it takes this really narrowed focusing and it explodes it into potential Hmm. possibilities. What may happen, what might happen next offers a variety and they don't have to be right versus what will happen versus what (laughs) might happen. It truly is a word that makes a massive difference. And I do this with the, the CEOs that I work with and the COOs when they're talking about leadership and their team goes, I don't know what to do, what might you want to do? What might be another possibility? What are three solutions that might work for us? Mm -hmm. And in that, you get into that creativity, you get into that growth mindset versus limited, it has to be one way. And when we can get into that creative growth movement, full potential, full possibility.
0: Absolutely. And I think, again, we talked about how communication really affects all aspects of our life, but what I hear you saying is that even even whether it's your family or work or maybe you're on a committee, for example, Mm -hmm. having that team approach and also just tweaking some of the words that you say, which maybe you're not used to saying the word what or might, Mm -hmm. and just but put that in your toolbox when oh, yeah. you find situations where people aren't being expressive or maybe closing up because they're upset about something. Misunderstanding is is such a problem. And even whether you you can misunderstand your child, you can misunderstand your partner, whoever. And so what do you tell people the best way, now we've misunderstood each other, okay? Mm-hmm. So we're talking about how to communicate better. But let's say you're in a situation or you even see your child and you're thinking, okay, I misunderstood what you said or vice versa. How do we circle back to that and make it right?
1: I like to go with what else might be happening or what else might be occurring, especially because in in really intense moments, we can see most we can see a problem and not only a problem we see that person as our problem versus going okay that person is not the problem we have a problem we have a problem where we miscommunicated what do we want our outcome to be so if i'm in a disagreement with my husband ultimately we both want to be heard and we probably both don't want to be in a fight but we're having a big breakdown in communication So how else might we navigate this? We both don't want to be in this miscommunication. So what else can we do? And if we look at it together as we're having a problem, or if your child's upset and there's a breakdown, your child isn't the problem, you might be having a problem. And it takes it so much off of them or off of you. And it puts it out on the table where there's a lot less judgment Mm -hmm. and a lot less discomfort and a lot less pain coming at it. Because now we're looking at something versus looking at an individual and pointing a finger. And I think that is something that truly shapes how we communicate. Because ultimately, we do want to have good relationships. We do want to be communicating effectively. It doesn't always have to be rainbows and sunshine and things (laughs) do need to get clearly taken care of. But if we can look at it in front of us, out in front of us, on the table, it makes a difference that will quite literally make a complete perceptual difference in your mind and in the
0: resolution that you're looking for so what i hear you saying is that it's it's finding what the circumstance is that is neutral basically mm-hmm. you know i have thoughts about it you have thoughts about it let's let's put that on the table and then mm-hmm. talk about what our thoughts and feelings are about that but realizing that it it's 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 a neutral issue. You know, what is the circumstance, for example, Mm -hmm. versus, but we get so emotional about those things, you know, and passionate about, um, you know, what our thoughts are and. Very much so. Yeah. Right. And feeling like, (laughs) I don't think you hear me, you know, but at the same time, and then you do, it's easy to shut down. I mean, I feel like people are either going to, and this is kids as well, are going to either continue to communicate in a way that might not be what how you want them to. I guess mm-hmm. the way I'm, what I'm trying to say is we're going to keep trying to get mm-hmm. our point across mm-hmm. or our needs. Absolutely. And if we're also not listening to what that is, whether we agree or not, mm-hmm. then what's going to happen is you're truly not going to get What the story is, what that circumstance is. Absolutely. So I like that, diverting the issue, the argument from the person to what's really the root cause or the circumstance. Yeah, that's good. I love
1: that you, I don't know if anybody's noticed, you said, What I hear you saying, and you say (laughs) it frequently, which is a beautiful thing. And that's such a great way to say, I hear you. What I hear you saying is, and quite literally, it keeps reinforcing to me as the listener, hey, I'm getting my point across or, hey, they're hearing me. And I love that. So I'm just pointing that out for your listeners. So in the event, what I hear you're saying is that you would like X, Y, and Z, or you want to do X, Y, and Z.
0: Well, and what's great about that phrase as well is I feel that when we talk about miscommunication, misunderstanding, that by reflecting on what you really thought they were trying to say, you could be wrong. Maybe maybe you did misunderstand it. And that Mm -hmm. gives the other person an opportunity, including our children, to to correct it or to really explain. And I'd be remiss to say, like, my mind, you know, I love this conversation and my brain is just going in so many great directions. But I think I'd be remiss to mention one of the downfalls of communication is text messaging. Mm -hmm. And although I love it, because I can text, I can do it quickly, I can you know, communicate that way very well. But you mentioned in the beginning that our tone, how we say that, our eye contact, our, our nonverbal language as well is just as important as our verbal. And so much misunderstanding can occur even with text messaging. But like you said, it's not going away. So and, how do we how do we show, how do we do that when we're communicating electronically?
1: Absolutely. And that's such a phenomenal question because what happens is if we are in, let's say I'm having a bad day and everything's irritating me and I see a text message come across, but I'm the one having the bad day. You might be having a great day and you send some things such as, what were you planning to do about tonight? As if we were going to go out to dinner. What were you planning to do? And there's no emoji, and there's there's just what were you planning to do? Question mark. I can quite literally read that as somebody who's having a bad day. What are you planning to do tonight? Mm-hmm. And that's on me. That's my misinterpretation of your text, of which you could then get into a complete disagreement with somebody because they said something very unintentionally, and nothing came across as harsh in that wording, but because of where you receive that in that messaging state, that's how you read it. Mm -hmm. So, it's very difficult when it comes to emailing and text messaging. So, I encourage people to convey kindness and sincerity. And if there's an emoji that you can pair with it, that's a great thing because you're conveying the tone of it And it's very hard to make sure that you're consistent in that because people can easily misinterpret things, but only because they might be in a different state or only because they may not have liked your wording. Um, Some people don't like the phrase like, oh, it's low hanging fruit in a meeting. And all of a sudden you, you had said something in a text message. I know that's probably not the best example, but because that person didn't like that phrase, they completely misinterpreted your message. So it is something that's hard. If possible, send a video, send an audio or add an emoji. Those would be the best ways to communicate your tonality.
0: I do that a lot, actually. And I I got that idea from another friend who tends to do that. And I thought, you know what, this is a great way to do it. Because again, if you just don't have time to call, which is sad in and of itself, I think sometimes, is that then what you can do is just press the record and mm-hmm. let them hear your voice and then and get that tone so I love that idea and I always try to do an emoji it's so funny cuz I know sometimes my husband and again it's how I interpret it you mm-hmm. know John will send me a text message and then later I'll be like well that message was kind of rude and he's like but I said, please, you know, (laughs) so it's so funny how, yes, it's on us and how we choose Mm -hmm. to take that, that message, whether it's something that you hear verbally or something that you read about, but it does come back to one of the core things that you mentioned. And that is having a dialogue Mm -hmm. because the same thing, how many times have you sent a text message and then they're busy. I mean, I get it. Sometimes I get messages while I'm at work. I don't have my phone with me when I'm in the, the office setting. Mm-hmm. And I think to myself, well, we're always apologizing. I'm sorry, I didn't respond right away, you know, things like that. And you just like that. What's that word? Ghosted. You know, you feel like, oh my gosh, I must not be that important to them or, you know, or we feel guilty. But it, again, it's all in how we interpret it. Mm-hmm. And Very I, much so. Yeah. And I feel like don't be afraid to communicate that too you know
1: and i love especially cuz with when when you're working and you're showing up for your clients and you're showing up for other people and and quite literally serving as you want to serve in this world and being helpful in all the ways that you're helpful sometimes our family and friends they may not get a text message response back to us for a number of days and it's important to i i like to convey I'm thinking of you. And I will literally say I'm thinking of you or I'll send them a hugging GIF, and that's it. Just to let them know that they're important. I didn't get to their, their seven page text message yet, but <laughs> I am thinking of them and I will get back to them. And it's acknowledging them in that you're important too. You do mean something to me. I just didn't have time to respond. I apologize. And again, it goes back to that communication component and wherever you are in your life's journey, Communication is, to me, it's an art. Mm-hmm. And it is not something that will just happen overnight. It takes it takes practice to maintain your posture in and, and those moments of meltdown. It takes an art form of managing your emotions and showing up and allowing yourself to care for yourself. That's an art form and allowing yourself to be of service. That's also an art form. And in all of this, we're using language we're talking to ourselves, we're talking to other people, we're thinking about 14,000 things and how we're communicating and navigating through the world is truly an art. So if people start to use different techniques and tools, which I'm a huge fan of a toolbox, Mm -hmm. notice that it doesn't have to be 100% perfect all the time, but that you can say, oh, here's another great tip. Here's another great tool. Let me put it in my toolbox so that I can continue to do my best along the way. And that truly is the art of living and the art of communicating and the art of doing your best, at least to me.
0: Wow. I am so grateful that you have shared your thoughts, your wisdom on something I truly believe is such an important topic, and that is communication. How can people get a hold of you, Lenora? Because I know I've definitely benefited from just this short Mm -hmm. conversation with you. And one of the things that I love about having a podcast is connecting people. You know, we talked about how in this world, sometimes we're just trying to survive, right? And there's so much information at our fingertips, But we know there are resources out there and it's difficult to find them. So I would love to share how people can get in touch with you and can talk to you more about communication, whether at whatever level of their life is, and be that better person and learn that art not to become perfect, but to become better.
1: I love that. That was so beautifully said. So thank you so much for for sharing that and for also the opportunity to let people know where I am. You can reach me at dtbhorizons.com and dtb stands for determined to be horizons.com and truly whatever people are wanting and determined to achieve that is what I help people do. I help them get the
0: changes that they want. Thank you so much. And I'll those that your website is also in the show notes. So I encourage everyone to reach out because I know I am a better person and I am walking away with some tools in my toolbox after having this short conversation with you. Be well, Lenora. Thank you so much again for joining me. Thanks for listening to another episode of Growing Up with Dr. Sarah. If you enjoyed this episode and think the information shared here today could benefit someone else, take a screenshot of the episode and post to your Instagram story. Make sure you tag us at Growing Up with Dr. Sarah so we can spread the word about the show and continue to grow in our mission to support as many parents and families as possible. Hey, if you're interested in being a guest on the show or would like to suggest a topic, please visit www growingupwithdrsarah.com contact. Thanks again for spending time with us today. Stay tuned for a brand new episode next week as we continue to grow up together.